Hello, hello. Okay, there we go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Unionville Alliance Church. And for those that are watching online as well, uh, we're glad that you could be with us and engage with us uh, this morning. Uh, Yes, last week and this week, we're just doing a two-part series. We're looking at what's called the fourfold gospel. And this is all just about Jesus. We saw last week how Jesus is our savior. And we also saw how Christ is our healer. And today, we're gonna look at two different things that round out this fourfold gospel. And that's that Christ is our sanctifier and Christ is also our coming king. Now, last week after the, after the message, I got an email uh, from Terry and Barb Donor because their granddaughters were watching the service online. And I wanted to show you a couple of pictures because I thought this was so cool. So here's Emma watching. She's about four and a half. She listened to about 10 minutes of the message. You can see there, I'm arms stretched open wide. She's pretty interested there. And there's, uh, there's Gracie. She's, uh, she's about three years old and she listened for about five minutes. And I also got guess what? I got their sermon notes, right? You want to take a look at it? These are their sermon notes, okay? But listen, they got the main point of the message, right? They got the summary of last week's message and this week's message is, it's all about Jesus, right? So Emma said this, uh, she said, he's talking about Jesus. I like that. Gracie said, Mommy, he's talking about Jesus. They got the main point. Isn't it beautiful as how the word of God says that out of the mouth of babes, you have ordained praise. And they listened and they got even, they listened for 10 minutes or five minutes and they got the main point of the message that it's all about Jesus. That's the theme of last week and this week. And it's gonna be the theme of our lives as well, that it's all about Jesus, right? So if you're watching online, can I ask you just to comment right now and just put in the comments, it's all about Jesus. Because that's the main thing that we're talking about, okay? It's all about Jesus, right? So last week we looked at about Jesus as our savior and how he saves and redeems us, how he forgives us of our sins, how he takes away our guilt, how he brings peace between God and us, how he gives us new life and brings us into the family of God. We become children of God. He fills us with his spirit and he empowers us for life and for service. We saw how he destroys the curse and how he destroys destroys the fear of death and the devil. Um, but it doesn't mean, just because he's our savior, it doesn't mean that everything else with us is fine and that we're perfect and we won't make any mistakes. Quite the contrary. We will make mistakes. We will fail the Lord, but we also need the spirit of God to work in us to sanctify us. And just as we just saying right now, to purify our hearts and purify our lives. I don't know about you, but there's still a long work of sanctification, a long work of purification that God needs to do in my life, and I know it's a lifelong journey. The word sanctify means to set apart, or to declare as holy, or to consecrate. And so we're actually sanctified, or we are set apart in two different ways. One is that we are set apart from sin, but on the other side, we're also set apart to or for God. So we're set apart from sin, but we are set apart for or to God. 
okay? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, for you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. So remember, Christ is our savior, but then there's a work of sanctification because Christ is also our sanctifier. And here Peter encourages the people. He says, don't slip back to your old ways of living. Now that you've experienced Jesus as your savior, don't go back to something that was there before. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So this is being set apart from sin. Okay. So God saves us, Jesus saves us, Jesus is the savior, but Jesus is also the sanctifier and he sets us apart from sin. But what Jesus the sanctifier also does is not only that he sets us apart from a sin, but he sets us towards God. He sets us for God. And in First Peter, in the next chapter, he says, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal, you are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So the previous verse we see, he, we are set apart from sin. We are to be away from sin. We are to be sanctified from sin. But that sanctification process is also towards God, where he draws us to himself. We are the children of God. And as it says here, we are that holy nation. We are that royal priesthood. We are that God's very own possession. So I want to look at sanctification uh, briefly in three different ways this morning. One is that we have been sanctified. And this is what's known as positional sanctification. Number two is that we are being sanctified in the, in the present tense. And this is progressive sanctification. And then in the future tense, we will be sanctified. And that's perfect sanctification. Okay, so the first one is called positional sanctification or we have been sanctified in the past tense. See, we have been sanctified not because of any good thing that we did, not because of any good work that we have done, but we have been sanctified. We are positionally sanctified in God's sight. We are sanctified and holy, not because of who we are, but all because of who Jesus is. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. Right? So uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul deals with the church in Corinth, and he has a huge laundry list of items and things that he has to tell them, hey, fix this, fix this, fix this other thing, right? But look at what he says in chapter 6 and verse 1. Paul says to the church in Corinth, who had so many faults and so many failures and needed to fix up so many things, he says, some of you were once like that. Just before verse 11, he, he lists all these sins and all these negative things that they were involved in before. But he says, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. See, they were positionally sanctified, not because of what they had done, but because of what Jesus had done for them. And we are sanctified. We are holy. We are God's people, not because of something we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us in dying for us and redeeming us, right? Now, this was the same church that Paul was writing to with one problem after another problem. Yet right at the beginning of his letter, look at what he says in chapter one and verse two. He says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy. Now, if you keep reading this letter, 
you would not think that this church was holy. In fact, Paul called them out for so many sins and so many problems and said, you guys are, are a mess here. I'm going to deal with all these things. And look, I don't even have enough time to write about all the problems you have. When I come, I'll fix the rest. But yet at the beginning of the letter, because the church in Corinth, because the believers in Jesus are positionally sanctified, that in God's sight, because of what Jesus has done, we are Holy, he says here, he made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So today, if you're here in, in the building here, if you're watching online, if you, as we did last week, if you call on the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, save me, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, but in the sight of God, you are holy. You are sanctified, Right? It's called positional sanctification. In so many of uh, Paul's other letters, he calls the people in the church, he calls them saints. Now, they were far from saints, literally speaking, but he called them saints because of what Jesus had done, right? In Hebrews 10 and verse 10, it says, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once, once for all time. See, because of what Jesus had done, we are holy once and for all, right? So know today that if you call on the name of Jesus, today, if we accept Christ and we say, Jesus, save me, Jesus, sanctify me, we are holy in his sight. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing that we are holy? When Jesus looks at us, when Jesus looks at Daniel, despite how, how filthy I am and how many times I falter and fail the Lord, he looks at me and says, Daniel is is holy, right? He looks at you, Claude, and says, Claude is holy, right? He looks at you, Julia, and says, Julia is holy. He, he looks at you, Barb, and says, Barb, you are holy. Not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. The second thing is progressive sanctification. Now, let me tell you right off the bat, this is something we don't often like to talk about. We love to talk about how Jesus is our savior. We love to talk about that because it's free and full and fun and enjoyable and we go, yes, thank you for forgiving me. But progressive sanctification is the work of the spirit. It's the work of Jesus as the sanctifier in our life to put off sin and put on Christ. It's an active work. It's in the present tense. Remember that he is, as I said before, he is making us holy. It's in the present tense. It's an active work that God is doing in our lives right now. Now, many times we just like to focus on the positional sanctification because it's all about Jesus and not about us. But here, this is an ongoing work of the Spirit in cleansing us, in convicting us, in causing us to repent and turn to him in areas that we fail in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, it says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. He was writing to, to a group of people that had known Jesus as their savior and he was saying, you need to know Jesus as your sanctifier as well. You need to, because we have these promises from God, because we have these beautiful things that Jesus tells us and Jesus promises to us as our savior and sanctifier, because of all those promises of God, let's now cleanse ourselves from everything that defiles our body and our spirit. And let's work toward complete holiness, not by our own strength, but by God's grace, 
not because of what we can do, but through the help of Jesus, because Jesus is the sanctifier, and it's all about Jesus, but it's a work that he does in our lives that's a progressive work. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment so that we can turn to God. The Spirit works in us to transform us and change our image and character into the image and, and likeness of Christ. So in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, it says, for we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We, we see the Lord's glory. We see his beauty. We see his character. We see all of who he is in his fullness. And we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is that spirit. So we're, we're changed into the image of God. We're changed into the character of God. Jesus is the sanctifier and he's working in our lives so that we need to be, we need to be sensitive to hear his voice and obey his leading. There's a lot, as I said, there's a lot of sanctification that Jesus still needs to do in me, but I thank God that it's a lifelong work. It's a, it's a work that he continues to do. And as he sanctifies us, he produces within us, the spirit produces within us that fruit of the spirit, which we studied before, Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So let me ask you today, what areas in your life do you need the Holy Spirit to sanctify you? What areas in your life do you need more love? Do you need more peace? Do you need more patience? Do you need more goodness, right? It's about our character being transformed through Jesus, the sanctifier, into the very image and character of Jesus Christ. Uh, earlier this year, we were studying that book, The Problem of God, written by Mark Clark. And in that book, he talks about one time when his girlfriend, um, at the time, who's now his wife, uh, she was confronted by someone in the church saying, hey, I saw your boyfriend, Mark Clark, he was out back smoking. And so she asked, to, she, she asked the, the person of the church, what was he smoking? And uh, he said, looked like he was smoking some cigarettes. And she said, oh, okay, that's a lot better than what he used to be smoking. Now, he was in church, he was trying his best, but it was, a, it was a progressive work of sanctification in his life. And God was working in him. God was changing him. God was transforming him. Now, thankfully, he's, he's leading a wonderful church and he's, he's being an example of Christ. And God was working in him and changing him. And that's that work of sanctification in our lives. In Romans 12, in verse two, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, God has to change the way we think. That's the, that's the progressive sanctification because we were thinking another way before, but now he has to change that mentality, that way of thinking. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So, so we need to reflect on the ongoing work of sanctification in our life. What does progressive sanctification look like? Well, it looks like the angry person becoming more patient. It looks like the selfish person becoming more sacrificial. It looks like the person that loves money becoming a person that gives generously. It looks like someone who decides to and wants to do their own will and purpose and plan, deciding to take up their cross and follow Jesus even if it means de denying their own will, even if it means moving to another country to serve the Lord, even if it means giving up the comforts of home to do what God is asking them to do. That's progressive sanctification. And I'll leave you with a question, what does progressive sanctification look like 
in your life today? If you look at your life today, can you see and can you tell how is God progressively sanctifying me? Am I different than how I was one year ago today till now? Or five years ago till now? Or 10 years ago till now? How can we be sanctified? Well, we can yield to the Spirit of God. We can spend time in prayer. We're starting this whole new series on prayer next Sunday, and we're gonna go through throughout the month of July and August. We're just gonna focus on prayer. I encourage you to come out to the prayer walks. We're gonna be doing, uh, doing some things with uh, Bible reading and prayer together. We're gonna be having some prayer meetings as well. We're gonna pray together as a family. We're gonna encourage you to pray individually and in your families as well. And we're just gonna do a, a reset in prayer and really look to the Lord. And, and as we pray, God does that work of sanctification in our lives as well. Read the word of God. By reading God's word, he brings sanctification to us. Jesus said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Doing some of the spiritual disciplines, we've talked about that before. Being open to correction. Being open to accountability and transparency. Being open to confession and repentance. We're going to talk about that next week. Now, sometimes those are hard things, and those are things maybe we don't like to talk about or because it takes an inner reflection, it takes some digging up, it takes some, some work maybe on our part to really examine our hearts and lives, but these are all necessary. And let's trust God to that work of sanctification. The third thing is perfect sanctification. And this is what happens when Jesus returns, right? This is what happens when Christ returns for us, when we see Jesus face to face, right? In 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. So this is a future tense, right? So we are positionally sanctified. That's past tense because of what Jesus did. We are progressively sanctified, present tense, because of what Jesus is doing now, we are going to be perfectly sanctified in the future when Jesus returns and we see him face to face. 1 John 3, verse 2 and 3 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I love this verse because in, this, in these two verses, we actually see all three types of sanctification. Look here. Dear friends, now we are children of God. What is that? What's the children of God? What kind of sanctification is that? Positional, right? We become children of God because of what Jesus did. That's positional sanctification, right? Because of what Christ did for us, he invites us into his family. We become children of God. And what we, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. What kind of sanctification is that? No, well, it's not in order. Well, I tricked you there, right? That's perfect. When Christ appears, this is future tense, right? When Christ appears, when Jesus comes, when we see him, what does it say here? We shall be like him. That's perfect sanctification. I know when I look at Daniel right now, or if you look at Daniel, you'll say, that's not Jesus. Nowhere close to Jesus. But my hope is when Jesus returns, I will be like him. You will be like him. Perfect sanctification. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him, what do they do? Purify themselves just as he is pure. What is that? This is the last option here. This is progressive sanctification. 
As we see Jesus, we, as we have this hope to see Jesus, as we wait for his coming, we are, we purify ourselves, right? There's a, a story of a man, uh, the story is told by the Christian Aid Mission. And it was a man in a, in a particular area of Nigeria, and he was very anti-Christian, and we'll call his name Idris. Uh, it's a true story, different names. But he was so upset with the Christians, Christian missionaries in that area because they were doing good things. They were, they were digging wells and trying to help the people in that area, in that village, and in that city. And he actually was so upset that he ordered his wife not to even drink from that well that they were digging. And for years, he actively worked against those Christians and what they were doing. He told the landlords in that area, don't rent out to these Christians. He told the neighbors, don't listen to them, don't accept any help from them. When a Christian donated a parcel of land to build a church, he actually blocked it from happening and instead built a mosque on that property. One of the leaders in that area said this, quote, he was extremely hostile to all efforts and to our missionaries, leading to the persecution against all of our converts there. Idris even promised to kill our missionaries if they would not stop reaching their communities and preaching the gospel. He, he was totally against everything that was happening. But last year, his preteen son had some rashes and he was vomiting and had some pain in his body. And Idris rushed him, his, his son, to the, to the medical clinic, but he couldn't admit him there because, uh, because those hospitals require you to pay in advance before you admit someone into the hospital. And he didn't have the money and no one was willing to loan him the money either. When the missionaries heard about this and what was happening and that his son was, was dying, they rushed to the hospital and gave him the money that was needed so that he could admit his son into the hospital. After several days, his son got better after being treated. Idris was touched by the genuine concern the Christians had and their help for him and for his son. That uh, so much so, he was so touched because he was doing so much harm and evil and hurt to them. His attitude completely changed and he began to research Christianity and, and to try to find out what was behind this type of behavior. Him and his whole family, they eventually accepted Christ and now he wants to go to school to become a missionary to share the gospel of Christ to his own community. What made the difference? It's the work of sanctification in these Christians, in these missionaries. They could have reacted badly to Idris. When his son was there and they knew what was happening, they, they could have said, serves you right for all the trouble you caused us. Serves you right for making it life so difficult for us. But they didn't. They did something that was radically different, that was radically unnatural, that they showed love to their enemies. Their lives had been progressively sanctified to the point that they could love even when they were mistreated. That's the beauty of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so this, this perfect sanctification, it brings us to the second part of what we're seeing today is that Christ is our coming king. Now, I'm not gonna get into all the eschatology. Eschatology is a, is a fancy name for all the end times events and end times theology. I'm, I, I don't have context and time to do that this morning. But... The main part of this message is what? It's all about Jesus. So the one thing that I wanna say in this, in this point is that we are looking for Jesus' return and that hope should spur us on for kingdom building work. It spurred the early disciples on 
to build the kingdom of God here on earth. It gave them, they had a great expectation to see Jesus in their lifetime. Acts 1 verse 11, it says, men of Galilee, these were angels speaking after Jesus had ascended into heaven. It says, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven and someday, someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Jesus is returning for us. He is the coming king. So why is this important? Let me tell you three things very quickly. Number one, it fills us with hope. We know that Jesus is returning, and because of that promise, we are filled with hope. In Titus 2, verses 11 to 14, right? Uh, we read uh, part of the scripture this morning as well. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Do you know what that is? Progressive sanctification, remember that? And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, right? So we can get into all types of end times eschatology, but I'm just gonna concentrate on this one thing. And it's called the blessed hope. That Jesus is returning. Jesus is returning for me. Jesus is returning for you. We have this hope that goes beyond the grave. He who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. See, Christ is returning for us. And so we live lives that are pleasing to him with this great hope and expectation for Jesus' return. So many times we lose that focus. So many times we lose that eternal vision right? C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Something to think about. Because we do not think about that kingdom to come, because we do not think about that blessed hope, because we do not think about our coming king, we become ineffective in this world. But if we remember that, then we will act on the prayer that Jesus prayed, your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. See, the second thing with our coming king is that it motivates us to fulfill the Great Commission. One of the key aspects in the Christian Missionary Alliance is that we are focused on missions. We are focused on reaching the lost, reaching the unreached. And in the weeks and months to come, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. But our motivation for missions is fueled by the fact that Jesus is our coming king. The fact that we do missions, the fact that we take the gospel to unreached places, the fact that we preach the word of God, the fact that we want the whole world to come and know Jesus is rooted and based in the knowledge that Jesus is coming back for us. And that's why in Matthew 24 it says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. See, we have a mandate to go out to the nations the Christian Missionary Alliance right now, our focus is unreached people groups, people that have little or no gospel exposure. 
If you, uh, if you look at the Joshua Project, it's a place online, joshuaproject.net, I believe is the website. You can see there's about se- more than 17,000 different people groups, and more than 7,000 of those are still considered unreached with little or no access to the gospel. That's over 3 billion people that still need to be reached. And that's where we focus our missions on. That's where many of our international workers, and we'll talk about this you know, in the months to come as we highlight a little bit of these things going forward, that's where they're focused on, in places where the gospel is really not known. And we do this, why? Because Jesus is our coming king, right? Matthew 28, this is, this is the, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. See, the realization that Jesus is the coming king should fill us with passion to share the gospel and fulfill this great commission. That's what Jesus, our coming king, is all about. And the last thing is that it inspires us to live a godly life. Knowing that Jesus may return at any time, the Bible says we need to be watchful. Right? In Matthew chapter 24, it says, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Knowing that Jesus is returning for us, he could come back today. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes! yes! Thank you, Naomi. <laughs> we need to be excited about Jesus, our King, coming back for us. Right? This is what the gospel is all about. And so he says, be watchful. And so we live godly lives, right? As we read back in 1 John 3, verse 2 and 3, that last part, what does it say? All all who have this hope in him, what? Purify themselves just as he is pure. The early Christians would often greet one another with this phrase. It was an Aramaic phrase translated as Maranatha. It means... The Lord is coming, or come Lord Jesus. Can I ask you to turn to the person beside you and just say, Maranatha? If you're watching online, can you just comment online and say, Maranatha? Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Maranatha, Jesus is coming. They would greet one another with that phrase because it would inspire hope. It would challenge people to live godly lives. The Lord is coming, it could be today. It would challenge people for gospel fulfillment to say, let's take this good word and take it out to those places and people that have never heard and don't know, and let's speak about it. Why? Because of Maranatha, Jesus is coming. It's a reminder of our hope. It's a reminder of our mission, and it's a reminder of our call to holy living. It's a reminder of our hope. It's a reminder of our mission, and it's a reminder of our call to holy living. Today, as we've prayed, we've stood with our brothers and sisters around the world that are suffering. And let's remember what they've gone through. You know, what gives them hope to endure persecution, trials, and difficulties? It's the remembrance of Jesus, the coming King. Naomi prayed for this man in particular this morning, Nasir Navid Goltaha. And he was, he was arrested and he's still in prison. 
and I'll read you what he wrote. He sent a, a letter to the Iranian authorities, and he said this, quote, but I praise God that he has turned all things into a blessing, because now it's clear to all, including the prison authorities, judges, lawyers, and my fellow prisoners, that I am in prison because of my faith in Jesus Christ. This will serve to further advance the gospel. Look at what he says, he's in prison. And he has this vision of Jesus the coming king because knowing that Jesus is the coming king fuels our mission, fuels our purpose. And he says, this will serve to further advance the gospel because Jesus is coming. Leah, she's in Nigeria. She was held captive by Boko Haram since February uh, 2018. These are slides and pictures of uh, people that uh, the organization Open Doors has made available to us. She was 14 years old when she was kidnapped by Boko Haram from her school and with approximately a, a, a hundred other girls. A month later, every other girl was released except for Leah, who remains in captivity till today because she refused to deny her faith in Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, Leah is just one of hundreds of people that, or even thousands of people that are missing in Nigeria. And so we need to pray. She sent a message through some of the other girls that were released to her mom saying this, my God whom we have been praying to with you is showing himself mighty in my trying moment. I know your words to me during our morning devotions that God is very close to people in pain. I am witnessing this now. I am confident that one day I shall see your face. If not here, then there at the bosom of our Lord Jesus Christ. What gives this young girl, who's 14 years old now, she'll be about 17 years old, what gives her the confidence to be able to say something like that? It's the hope of the coming of the Lord. It's the hope to see Jesus. It's to know that Jesus, that Christ, is the coming King. And there's so many people in, the, in, in, in tough situations. Pastor Raymond Cole from in Malaysia, he was abducted in February 2017 and he's still missing. Lucina in South Asia, abducted and forced to marry and escaped in, in 2020. Then you have Homayan Zava, sorry I'm probably pronouncing these wrong, and Sarah Hamadi in Iran, arrested for participating in a house church. In North Korea, we saw that in, in the video as well, approximately 60,000 Christians are being imprisoned for their faith. What gives these people the faith to hold on? It's Jesus, our coming king. In, in Iran, Sa, uh, Sahid, he was sentenced to six years in prison and two years in exile, right? He, he went through, he, he was just, all he was doing was organizing house churches. And this is considered an, an act against national security. There, we live in the midst of a broken world. In the midst of such pain and hardships, we pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the broken world that we live in, we are called to pray. One day, we will see Jesus face to face. One day, we will rejoice in his presence. One day, all pain and sorrow and sadness and sickness will all be gone. We'll all be no more. And we hold on to this promise in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Do you remember that? That's progressive sanctification.
And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Perfect sanctification. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. He who calls you is faithful. Thank you, Reggie. He is faithful. He is good. And one day we will see him. We can rejoice. We can praise God because he's our coming king. Can we get excited about Jesus being our coming king? Can we get excited that Jesus is returning for us? Can we get excited about the fact that he is our sanctifier and works in our lives so that he can be that coming king so that when he returns, we will go with him and there will be a perfect sanctification for all eternity with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that something to rejoice about? Maybe today you're going through some hardships and some difficulties and some problems, but just remember that in the midst of all that pain, our brothers and sisters around the world are also going through maybe even worse struggles and difficulties. But one day, we will see Jesus' face, and it will be worth it all. Let's sing to the Lord. <laughs>